Hello, and welcome to The Lucy Lou Show, the fueling station for your mind, business, and life. And now, here's your host, Lucy Lou. Hello, beautiful souls. Welcome back to another episode. I'm here to remind you that you are always in the right place at the right time. You are constantly being offered new opportunities for success. And remember, you are a leader. Use your influence to be the light in the world. Today on the show, I have a special guest, Eileen McDar. Since 1980, Eileen has helped organizations and individuals transform the life of their business and the business of their life. She has become known as a master facilitator, an award-winning author, and an internationally recognized keynote speaker and executive coach. Eileen has written six books, and her seventh book just came out earlier this summer called Burnout to Breakthrough, Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. So without further ado, enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the show, Eileen. Thank you. Glad to be here. So in your words, what exactly is burnout to you? I believe the definition, frankly, that Dr. Herbert Freudenberger, when he first coined the word back in the 70s, really is applicable. And it's to exhaust one's resources, mental, physical, emotional, or spiritual, trying to match some unrealistic expectations imposed upon by yourself or society. And inherent in that definition is, is that word to exhaust resources? And that's why we get the term burnout. There's, you force yourself to go on, but there's, the, the resources are gone. So instead of being fueled by energy and by excitement, it is being in a place and a space that doesn't feed you and you plod through. And you'll hear people say things like, you've lost your sense of humor. You never smile anymore. You don't want to have much to do with anyone. You overdo. Overdo could be anything from alcohol to food. Uh, or the flip side, you don't eat at all. But it is, it is that notion. And the reason I like that is the exhaustion and also trying to live up to expectations. And they can be imposed by oftentimes by ourselves and sometimes both by the organization as well as by ourselves. I love you mentioned energy because I always say you got to be the CEO of your own life right? A CEO of a corporation sets the strategy and vision for the company. And you need to set everything, every department of your own life and be that CEO. And I've learned that you term that CEO as the chief energy officer. That's I absolutely right. love that. Thank Tell you. me about that. And where did you come up with that? Well, I have been looking and studying the field of resiliency for almost two decades. And the subtitle of my new book, Burnout to Breakthrough, is Building Resilience to Refuel, Recharge, and Reclaim What Matters. And at the end of the day, resiliency is about energy management. Do you have the energy, the mental, emotional, physical hardiness to keep on keeping on? And what is energy at the base definition but the capacity to do work? So I believe everything is energy. Everything is energy. And so when we look at building resilience, we really have to say, what is it that gives me energy that refuels me? What is it that drains my energy? And then how do I get it back? And because I think resilience is also a muscle, it's just like building muscle in a gym. You give energy to the muscle. So you, you start small. And I do think that it, it is a life skill 
and that it is one that can be learned and developed over time. Oh, absolutely. And it all goes back to energy. Mm, so I am really the CEO, and you can too. Anyone can be. That's right. How do you define resiliency? I define resiliency as the ability to grow through challenge or opportunity. So you end up wiser, smarter, better on the other side. I absolutely deny the dictionary definition for humans. The dictionary definition, if I could just uh, capsulize it, is, is the notion of bouncing back. Well, that's fine if you're a piece of steel or if you're a willow tree. But for, for you and I, Lucy, as human beings, there's no going back. You are different today, maybe in small ways because of what you experienced yesterday. So the idea of resiliency is all about growth. And notice I also said in times of challenge or opportunity. So we traditionally think about resilience is when things are bad. Like right now when we're encountering this horrific COVID-19. And for you and I who live on the West Coast, now we're having these horrible, horrible fires. Yes, we absolutely need resilience for all of this. But if you were offered a great opportunity, let's say somebody called you, Lucy, and said, Lucy, we want you to become the host of a television show. And you go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that's wonderful. Well, it's going to take a lot of energy for you to be able to do that. So that's why I say it's not just in crisis, but it is in fact a life skill. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And just like confidence, just like any other muscle you want to build for yourself, if you can train yourself on it, but you have to start with awareness that you need this in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're saying it. And so when we, if we put it in the context of, of burnout, the first piece of awareness is that you are burning out. And every case study I have looked at, people who end up saying I'm burned out, their first thing was to deny what was going on. It didn't really happen. No, it's somebody else's fault. No, it's really not me. It's going to be fine as soon as this is over. But the truth of the matter is it never gets over. So awareness is absolutely critical because then all of a sudden, I, I think of it as being on a like a car at a railroad track where it's stop, look, and listen. You first have to stop. Go, whoa, whoa, stop. What's going on? Then you got to look around and say, well, what, what's, what's happening here? And then you listen. Listen deeply, first and foremost, to your own gut. Not your brain, which is going to try to be very logical and say, well, you have to do this. It's really listening to what your heart is telling you. And then listen to some of the, the feedback that's coming to you from people whom you trust. So awareness is, you're so spot on. It's absolutely correct. You mentioned a couple of things. What other reasons do you see as the most common reasons that breeds burnout? Well, I believe there are a number of them. The first, the first one is our own personal histories and our own personal expectations. And when I say our personal histories, we all come with messages that were somehow implanted in us. Um, and one of the first gentlemen that I interviewed for the book, he's a first-generation uh, Canadian they're from India. And his expectation that he somehow, and even if the parents never said it, you will be the success. You're going to be the one that everybody's going to depend upon. And so his self-talk, his self-talk, his personal history is, I got to do it all. I got to do it all. I got to do it all. The same thing was true with another woman who I interviewed was she was the first one in her, in her family to go to college that I've got to do it all. So one of the triggers, I call them triggers. So one of the triggers is to say, what is it that I'm telling myself and my body? Buying into a history that is not accurate for who I am and what I am and where I am in my life. So that's one of the things. 
another thing that triggers it is what I call the technology tyrant. You and I are surrounded by so much technology that it pulls at us. And one of the great fallacies of our condition is to think that we're good multitaskers. We're not. We're horrible multitaskers. And even though you think you can do all this stuff and you can be writing an email over here and suddenly the ding goes off with a text message over here and then something passes over here, it takes as much as 20 minutes to get back on track to what you started with. So now you are expending more energy, scattering the energy in order to get back to what you started to begin with. So I think technology can overwhelm us. I think there's also organizational prompts. And when I say organizational prompts, it can be expectations from the people who manage us in which we haven't, you know, ways, waved a flag and say, no, no, this doesn't, this doesn't make any sense at all. Um, there's also, we can also get into overwhelm as caretakers. And as caretakers could be everything from our little children at home or as we're an aging population, caring for aging parents because you can expend a ton of energy as you're trying to do everything else and take care of an aging parent. That could be another. That could be another trigger for us. Mm, those are really good points. But contrary to popular belief, you know, when we do too much, we're overwhelmed. But when you're doing very little, when you're bored, boredom can also breed to burnout. I love it. You're absolutely so so right. So you go through the motions, but it is meaningless to you. So I think one of the opportunities. Because this is this is a way of beginning to grow through as you reframe what's going on is to say, what is it that I'm learning here right now? And if I am bored in what I'm doing, why? What could I do that will allow me to tap into something that I'm interested in doing? And for anyone who's listening to this, and if you are managing other people, if you are in human resources, it's not what are you good at? It's what are you interested in? That's really different. Like I'm a good writer. And when I went through my first burnout, I was working with a PR firm handling primarily their multinational clients. I got to the place, Lucy, if I wrote another press release, I was going to throw up. I can do it. I'm good at doing it. I'm not interested in doing it. It didn't, didn't satisfy something inside of me. And I got to the place where I just can't do this anymore, which also brings up, I think, a really important point for all of us right now, as we realize how fragile life is, is that we want to be able to say, why am I here? What's my purpose? When I can become focused on my purpose, then how I operationalize that in my life becomes the next question. But I believe that knowing your why is critical. And if you lose your why, you lose your way. Absolutely. Always start with your why. And when you have your why, you stay motivated. And when you have that purpose and living life according to what brings you joy, mm -hmm. so and, beautiful. Well, and this, um, I, I've been so intrigued by this. You know, about 10 years ago, Simon Sinek, you know, had that great, great talk. And he had what he called the golden circle. And it's you first, you know, your why, then how, and then what do you do because of that? In fact, I'm now a, a consultant with the, the Y Institute, and we help individuals look at how do you find your why, how do you find your how, and then how do you find your what? Because sometimes it isn't, it isn't, isn't easy. And so to be able to step back and have someone coach you through that is, is very powerful. The other thing I think that we're realizing is that people want to do business when your why and their why come together. Like, if I say my, I'm in business so that I can make a lot of profit and return shareholder return 10%, well, first off, that's not going to engage me as an employee. And number two, that doesn't make me excited to do business with you. 
if I say that, you know, the reason the reason I'm in business is I want to be able to contribute to the to the health, well-being, and success of the individuals that I work with so that we transform the life of business and the business of life and create a world that works for all. Where would you who would you rather work with? No brainer. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Absolutely. So how do you implement your tools and skills in your daily life to make sure you're in alignment? Okay. Uh, And by the way, as I talk out loud, I'm talking to myself. I teach what I need to learn. I write what I need to learn. So this is a process. And sometimes, Lucy, I'm good at this. And sometimes I stink. And my husband says, Eileen, read your book. <laughs> I hate it when he says that. And he's absolutely correct. So, so what, here's a couple of the things that I've, that I've realized is that I need to control the controllable. When I get into overwhelm, I'm trying to control something I have at face value, no control over. So I need to step back and say, where is my point of control? How do I accept it? which might be true. How do I amend it? How do I avoid it? What are the things that give me a place of control? And so I now have developed a practice and it begins with how I get up in the morning, which is meditation. So I've got my, my spiritual, my brain kind of focused and calmed down. I don't want to jump out of bed and race with a cup of coffee and do whatever. And the second thing is exercise. So I need my physical body. So I got my mental stuff going. I got my physical body, which gives you energy. By the way, if people are feeling overwhelmed and burned out, the best place that you begin to get control is with your physical self because you will see the results faster. You have greater control over that. So like today, before I spoke to you, I did my five mile run and I did my little bit of yoga. Yay. You know, and sometime during the course of the day, I'm going to get out of this office and I'm going to go take a walk. So, so I do that. And then I'm constantly looking at who do I want to talk to? And with, with the advent of this book, it's fascinating, Lucy. I'm loving having the opportunity to talk with you. I'm giving so many different podcasts and video casts, which feeds my why, because hopefully there's a contribution there, because that's my why is contribution. And when I'm not in alignment, I find myself becoming irritable, and trust me, I've been not in alignment. I've made choices uh, because, oh gosh, look what they'll pay me. It was the wrong choice. It didn't feed my heart. And I've, I, you know, I've learned the hard way when I've said yes to things that I really should say no to. And as I've aged, I've realized that I can also say no to potential clients. And I would encourage them, you know what, I'm not the best fit for you. Let's find someone who's better for you. Thank you for your wisdom, Eileen. Can you give us your favorite quote, please? To have hope, one does not need certainty, only possibility. That's what I want us to look for. What is possible? Mm, That was a beautiful quote. I'm just going to leave it here. If you have enjoyed this conversation, check out Eileen at EileenMcDar.com. That's spelled E-I-L-E-E-N-M-C-D-A-R-G-H.com. I'll be sure to link to Eileen on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, in the show notes. To all the beautiful souls listening, thank you for joining me on this episode of The Lucy Liu Show. When I'm not podcasting, I am coaching high-achieving women in life transitions, getting unstuck, 
kissing overwhelmed goodbye and living a more joyful and fulfilled life through strategic goal setting and mindset transformation. It would mean the world to me if you subscribe, rate, or share this with a friend. And don't forget to join me for the next episode. Remember, there is always a way, and more blessings are coming your way. For free resources and show notes, head over to lucylucoaching.com. 